Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone who's joining us online and everyone in Greenfield. It's great to be with you today. My name is Tyler and I serve as one of our pastors here. And several years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, we were actually looking to rent a new home because we were in a two bedroom townhouse with uh, our daughter, Jalen, and she was pregnant with our son, Brennan. So we needed a little bit more space. And so we were looking for a three bedroom townhome and uh, we're, we're looking on, online, you know, all the different listings, find something available. And uh, there was this one particular house that was in an area of town that we thought, hey, that, that would be really good to live in. And we noticed the listing was at several hundred dollars a month less than what we thought, you know, would be typical for, for that area of town. So we're like, all right, hey, let, let's check this out. So my wife uh, sends uh, the lister uh, an email and said, hey, we want to take a, uh, you know, see a showing of this place. And the so-called landlord uh, sends her an email back and says, yeah, you can come check this out anytime you want. You can just swing by outside. I actually live way out of state. And so there's actually a box with a code on it. And and I'll, for a holding fee, I'll let you know what the code is so you can get the key, you can walk around and see it in there and you can go ahead and, you know, just put the key back and you'll get your holding fee back. And, and then he kind of followed up with, oh, by the way, um, ignore the for sale sign in the front yard. You know, I had this listed, but I'm not going to sell it anymore. I'm just going to rent it out. And so don't worry about that. And then here are the instructions that, that you can send this holding fee. And then my wife and I saw that and uh, we were like, yeah, that's clearly a scam, you know, and so we're not going to send him uh, the money. We uh, reported the, the, the whole listing to the website there and said, oh, hey, that, that, that's just not going to be a good idea. But, you know, we were disappointed because we thought, oh, that sounded like a really great deal. And we were reminded of the principle that many of us probably can think of. And that is, hey, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And it's that principle why some of us might rightly kind of have some skepticism as we are going through this series called The Most Important Thing. Because what we're doing is we are actually looking at how we can fill God's purpose for all of us. God has this one purpose that is for all of us. We just live it out um, in, in uniquely different ways. And that purpose is to become someone who loves, looks, and lives like Jesus. And so God calls us all to do this, and this makes sense because Jesus made this huge impact on this world. He, I mean, he brings his hope throughout the whole world, and he invites us to do the same thing, to bring the hope of Jesus to others and to have an impact on this world as well. Now, what has to happen in order for us to do this is God has to get to work inside of us. And he changes us from the inside so we look like Jesus on the outside. And how God does this, he, he does this through a variety of ways, but there is one particular way that we see this. And studies have been backing this up for years, that if we engage in this one habit, we are far more likely to see God do this process inside of us, where he changes us from the inside out to have us love, look, and live like him. And this one habit, uh, it, it, it might surprise us at first, because it's not 
not attend a church service regularly, as great as that is. And it's not join a group or be a part of a team, as great as those things are. But this one habit, it actually points to all of these things. But we discover this is how God uh, changes us from the inside out. And this one habit is we engage in regular reading of the Bible. And by regular reading, we don't mean hours upon hours upon hours. What we see through regular reading is just 10 to 15 minutes a day, four times a week. And what we see, and studies have been showing this over the last several years, that whenever someone does this, they read for 10 to 15 minutes a day for four times a week. Statistically, they experience clear benefits, meaning uh, statistically, they are going to be less likely to abuse or, you, uh, or, yeah, abuse or get addicted to alcohol. They're less likely to abuse or, or get addicted to gambling or pornography. And even uh, more than that, we see uh, for mental health standpoint, they're going to be less likely to feel lonely. They're going to be more likely to forgive someone, and they're going to be less bitter uh, towards others. And so what we see are these clear benefits that when you engage in regular reading of the Bible, you're going to be more emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually healthy. I mean, clear benefits. And we start to understand why we get these benefits when we read a passage of Scripture where, where Paul, one of the early leaders of the church, was mentoring another church leader. He wrote this passage that is just driving the series for us. And here's what he wrote. He said, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And it corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And this is fascinating because it's this idea that some might call mysterious or sacred, but it's this idea that when we read scripture on our own, it's as if God is personally teaching us, and he's speaking to us, and he's changing us from the inside out so that the reason isn't so that we know more information about God, but Paul tells us he's like, this is exactly why we read scripture, because God uses it to prepare and equip his people, you and me, to do every good work so that we could live out our purpose to love, look, and live like Jesus and make an impact on this world as well. And so we see these benefits. And so our goal for this series is very simple. We want to do whatever it takes to inspire and equip you to read the Bible on your own so that you would do so on a regular basis so that four times a week, you know, 15 minutes a day, you would spend time reading from the Bible and you would get those clear benefits. Now, if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go online, um, go to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to that channel and you can catch up with uh, uh, part one of this series. Or if you listen to podcasts, you could actually subscribe uh, to our podcast um, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can catch up with uh, that one um, there as well. Now today, we're going to pick up because it's understandable that some of us, we might have some skepticism about this idea of all the benefits that come from just reading the Bible, because it could sound kind of like that townhouse, you know, that my wife and I looked at, like, hey, that sounds like really good benefits. Is it too good to be true. I mean, just read this 15 minutes a day for four times a week, and I'm going to be more likely to forgive. I'm going to be less lonely and less stressed. I mean, that's it? Really? Almost sounds like a late night infomercial, you know, like, hey, just do this, and then you will be fine, and everything will, will be taken care of. And the reason for that is because, you know, it might sound too good to be true at first, especially when we've read it, and we saw, ooh, 
there were some challenges with reading the Bible at first. And, and we might even have some questions, like even maybe questions about the passage, you know, that's driving this series. You know, when we put this back up, I remember a friend of mine a couple of years ago just kind of pointing this out. He said, Tyler, I'm not sure about this. I mean, he's like, are you telling me that this is the Bible and we should believe it's the Bible because the Bible is saying it's the Bible? And, and, and he was just, understandably, he, he was just confused at first and he was asking that as a question. Like, it would be like me, you know, in his mind, saying to you, hey, believe me, I'm the best runner because I say I'm the best runner. You naturally would say, Tyler, you gotta prove that, which I wouldn't because I am clearly not, you know, the best runner. But, you know, we, we might have some questions about the Bible. Now, now, some of us who are here, or some of us joining us online, uh, if the Bible says it, you might say that settles it, and, you know, and, that, and that's enough for you. But others of you, that might not be enough for you because you might have some other questions about the Bible or maybe you know, hey, what else does the Bible say? And you've read the part of the Bible and, and you, you, maybe it was a hard teaching or a confusing teaching. Maybe you read something and, and maybe it felt a little far-fetched, maybe like a fable for you. Uh, maybe you, you, you took something you didn't understand and you asked a friend or a family member or a faith leader about it and, and they didn't have an answer for you and you still weren't sure what to do about it. And you were kind of wondering like, how do I just take this and put this together, you know, with, with the God that I've heard about at church or for my friends or for other family members? How do I I make what I'm reading and what I've heard kind of come together and work together? And you just aren't sure, and you have some questions and maybe some skepticism about the Bible altogether. And you might be wondering, hey, how does reading the Bible become the most important thing that God uses to build my faith? And you might have some questions about all of that, and I get all of that. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at this question. Well, why? Why is reading the Bible the most important thing to develop our faith? And the answer to this question is critical. And it's critical for us to understand because what's true is our faith actually centers on the answer to this question. And, and, and you might be surprised to hear that when it comes to our faith, our faith actually doesn't center on the Bible. The Bible actually centers what our faith centers on. It's the answer to this question. And, and what's great is when you begin to realize the answer to this question, and when we talk about this, it might help you push past that skepticism. It might help you push past those questions so that you could see the Bible for what it is and how reading it is the most important thing to develop our faith because of what it centers on. And you'll see the Bible for what it is, a collection of documents centered around the answer to this question. And so to help us answer the question, why is reading the Bible the most important? We're gonna actually have to start kind of towards the middle of the Bible, kind of right at center of it, if you, if you will. We're gonna have to start there. And I know even saying that, it might kind of cause some of us go like, what, really? You know, start in the middle. You don't start in the beginning. It's almost like, you know, if me, if you imagine me as a Star Wars nerd talking to a non-Star Wars nerd, and I'd say, here's what you gotta do to start. You gotta start with episode four. That was made in 1977, long before everything else. You know, then you'll work through because don't worry, episode one came out in 1999 in the prequels that no one really liked until now. Now they kind of made this comeback and like, okay, you know, and there's like all these movies, you know, all throughout the years that you watch, but you got to just start with that one and this non-Star Wars person is just like, huh? 
And then the Star Wars nerds, like, okay, just watch The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, that, that's the best one out of all of them. Just go with that and you're gonna be fine. I mean, I mean it, it kind of sounds like that when we say, hey, go ahead, open up the Bible towards the right of the middle and we're gonna start there because that's the best spot to start. But it is the best place to start and we'll see why in a moment. And so we're gonna pick up with a guy named Luke, not Luke Skywalker. Last Star Wars reference, I promise, as we go through. But, you know, Luke is actually a doctor around the time of Jesus. And he's this, he, he researches, he, he, he really loves to put things together and explain things. He's a great doctor. And he's actually uh, working hard to put together a document for a man named Theophilus. And we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus, except that he is curious about Jesus. And he wants to know more about Jesus. And maybe he's heard about it, but he wants to see uh, the, the life of Jesus kind of put together in this orderly account so he, so he can understand more about who Jesus is. And so what Luke does is Luke goes and he researches so he can put together a document uh, for Theophilus. Now, as, as we read this and, and jump into this, know this about Luke. His goal is not to write the Bible as we know it. His goal is to put together a document for his friend, Theophilus, to help him understand who Jesus is. And so here's how Luke starts this document. He says, Many, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And so right out of the gate, he says, there have been several people that have come together to write about this event that we have experienced. And this is important to keep in mind because back then, historically, not many people wrote documents about an event. But several, several people, you know, according to Luke, have said, we're going to write about this one significant event that happened. Why? Because a significant event happened. He goes on with that. He says, so with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, he's going to tell us, hey, I really researched this. I really looked into this. I dug into this. And here's what, I'm gonna, here's what I found. I too decided to write an orderly account. I'm going to put it all together for you. Most excellent Theophilus. And so he says, I'm going to get to work and I'm going to show you exactly what happened uh, among us. And, and the reason why he's doing this, he's like something significant happened that we need to record. And I'm going to tell you about it, Theophilus. And so he writes about it. Now, what he's writing about is not just about the life of Jesus, although the life of Jesus is very interesting and, and, and very, very helpful. I mean, Jesus was this master teacher. Uh, he performed all these healings and miracles. He was this religious leader. I mean, he lived his life in a very, very, very great way, but it wasn't because of the way that Jesus lived is why he wrote this document. And it wasn't even why uh, Jesus died is why he wrote the document. I mean, Jesus was killed on the cross, uh, but many people were killed on the cross by the Roman Empire. I mean, it, it, it happened all the time. Uh, but yet, that was not the reason why Luke and many went out to write this uh, about Jesus. It was what happened after. In fact, uh, Luke actually begins to record what happened after Jesus died. And, and it's actually, you'll see when Jesus died, it was actually very normal for them back then about what happened right after uh, Jesus' death. Notice the level of detail that Luke shares here and notice uh, the level of just kind of how everyday life this, this feels at first. Here's what happened. He said, there was a man named Joseph of Arimathea 
And, and he was a Jewish leader who, who ended up becoming a follower of Jesus. And so he wanted to honor Jesus after he was killed. So he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. And so he took it down from the cross. He wrapped it in cloth and he placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. So they're going to bury Jesus' body because he's dead. And then Luke tells us that the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee, they followed Joseph and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. And then they went home and they prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment because they said, we'll, we'll come back and we'll finish. This is the embalming process, the process of what they would do to take care of the body after they died. Now, notice Luke went into great detail. I mean, he researched this thoroughly. But he's just describing what people would normally do after someone passed away. This was uh, the regular process with a dead body. It's what they all did back then. And why would they do this? Because Jesus was dead. And that's what you would do with dead bodies. And in this moment, there are no followers of Jesus. There are no Christians. There is no the church or Jesus movement. And there is no the Bible. If this story ended here, there would be none of that and there would be no story. But the story doesn't end here. The story, it talks about seeing Jesus alive after this. And it's because of this why we have this document. It's because of this that we see many write about the life of Jesus. Because what Luke tells us towards the end of his document, he says his closest followers, they saw him alive. They saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And they saw that and they're like, whoa, he is who he says he is. I mean, he is the son of God. He is what they called the Messiah or the Savior or the Christ. He is who he said he was because he predicted his death and then resurrection and then he pulled it off. It's incredible. And so Luke actually then begins to describe how his followers actually began to follow Jesus's commandment to them to go and to teach others how to follow Jesus. Or in other words, how to bring the hope of Jesus to many, many more homes. And so that's exactly what they did. And Luke recorded uh, one of um, uh, Peter, who is Jesus' closest followers, he recorded a line, what Jesus said to a crowd. And, and get this, Peter said this, he said, God has raised this Jesus to life. That's the why. This is the event. I mean, this is what our faith hinges on. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. We didn't just hear about it. We didn't just scroll on Twitter and see a tweet. We're like, ooh, that happened. No, they didn't do any of that. They saw it. They saw Jesus, and they interacted with Jesus, and they realized what has happened. They're like, this is what Jesus called us to do, and this was the birth of the church. This was the birth of, of, of followers of Jesus, where we said, we got to bring the hope of Jesus to others, because we're going to put our hope and our trust in Jesus, and, and we're like, we have to do this, and we have to share the hope of Jesus with others and help others follow him as well. And so Luke is recording this. He's writing this all down. In this section, he's actually writing about, you know, the events of the early church and how they're just bringing the hope of Jesus to others. And for us, we ha now have it in our, our Bible, the New Testament as we know it, or what we call it. It's called the book of Acts of the Apostles. And, and we're reading this as Luke's document of where he's writing about and he's sharing with us what happened. But remember, Luke said many went and wrote about this. Why so many? 
It was so expensive to write back then. You only wrote about the most important things. And it wasn't because they set out to write something remarkable. They wrote because something remarkable happened. And so we have many accounts about the life of Jesus. We have uh, uh, Peter. Uh, Peter was Jesus' closest follower. He, he was uh, one of his best friends. Uh, he was a fisherman, so he was likely illiterate. And so he told uh, Mark, or John Mark as some call him, you know, about his experience. And so Mark wrote about Peter's, you know, experience in the eyes of Peter. And that's how we have the book of Mark in the New Testament. And then we, we have Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector, which back then tax collectors were, were considered the lowest of the low in society. Uh, they, they were considered like worse than sinners. And Matthew met Jesus, had his life transformed by Jesus, and, and he, he wrote about his experiences. He became a close follower of Jesus as well. And in his document, he actually takes pieces of what we call the Old Testament, but this is the Jewish scripture. He took pieces of that to, to foretell and, and to prove and to show how Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. And so he shares that uh, with his readers. And then we have John. And John was one of the closest followers of Jesus as well. And he had his life transformed by Jesus. And he decided, hey, they're, they're writing about their interactions with Jesus. I need to do this as well and share Jesus' teachings too um, in, in a book. And so he starts to put together a book that he wrote about his time with Jesus. And he tells us why he decided to do that towards the end of his book. And here's what he said. He said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And so other reasons why Jesus, you know, showed who he, who he was, who he was, said he was. And they were not recorded in this book. He didn't write it all down. Now, this book, this isn't the Bible as we know it. He's just writing this uh, biography of Jesus. He's writing this because he wanted to share this. And he tells us exactly what his goal for writing this. He said, these are written... So that you, well, who is you? You is you. And I is you. And anyone who's ever reading this, John's like, I wrote this so that whoever reads this may believe or fully trust or put their faith in, may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Or he, he recorded earlier Jesus saying that you would have abundant life or life to the fullest in Jesus. He said, this is what I want for you is to experience the hope of Jesus, to believe in him so that you can receive this new life that he offers. And so this is what our faith centers on. This was the, the message that all of these followers of Jesus, what they said, hey, this is what is so important. This is why this is so important. We need to share this message of Jesus with anyone that we can. And so for hundreds of years, uh, they, they started, they took these documents that they wrote down and they realized, you know, the first followers of Jesus, they realized why they wrote them down. They realized like, oh yeah, they're not going to. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com dot com.